Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Thursday, October 26th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe. All four of Long Island's Republican congressmen voted for Louisiana Representative Mike Johnson for speaker yesterday as the House GOP elected him after rejecting three others during more than three weeks of intra-party division. Tom Brune reporting on Newsday.com that Representatives Andrew Garbarino of Bayport, Anthony D'Esposito of Island Park, Nick LaLota of Amityville, and George Santos, Nassau slash Queens, joined the standing ovation for Johnson after Representative Elise Stefanik, the uh, Republican from Schulerville, the Republican caucus chair, introduced him. Johnson, 51 will face an early test as House Speaker in negotiations with the White House and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, over government spending, uh, government funding that expires November 17th, $105 billion in supplemental funding for Israel and Ukraine and 2024 appropriations. Quote, when I meet with him, I will convey that bipartisanship is the only way we can deliver results for the American people. Schumer said Wednesday, Garbarino, D'Esposito, and Lalota said they had spoken with Johnson after he won the nomination for Speaker in the House Republican Conference Tuesday night. Quote, Mike Johnson understands New York priorities, and I look forward to working with him as the next Speaker. Congressman Garbarino said in a statement, which included a quote from Johnson, uh, quote, I look forward to working with the Long Island members on the issues that matter most to them. And quote, Congressman LaLota, who represents the East End, posted a note on social media calling Johnson a common sense conservative who can unite at House GOP and get us back to work for the American people. Last week, Garbarino, D'Esposito and LaLota listed their priorities, quote, salt cap relief, 9-11 health care funding, flood insurance legislation, and insurance and assurances that we curb runaway federal spending in a responsible manner that averts any potential government shutdown. Here in Southampton, as the clock ticked past 10 p.m., the Southampton Board of Education work session drew to a close on Tuesday night after trustees and administrators listened to and in some cases pushed back against hours of frustrated feedback and fiery accusations hurled by members of the Shinnecock Nation. Michelle Troring reporting on 27East.com that the special meeting prompted by uh, <clears throat> public outrage during a BOE meeting uh, on March 7th mirrored many of those initial complaints which pointed to alleged wrongdoings over money allocation, professional conduct, student discipline, and other issues. At its height, close to 70 people crammed into the Southampton Intermediate School's music room, swelling from its initial 40 or so attendees and quickly becoming standing room only. An additional 45 viewers uh, tuned in online. The nearly four-hour-long meeting started with what some Shinnecock community members called a data dump by the district, numbers tracking the ethnic and racial breakdown of staff and students, uh, attendance, special education placements, in-school and out-of-school suspension rates, and more, which set the tone for almost an hour until public comments began. More than 20 speakers took to the podium, some returning multiple times to raise questions over a wide range of issues, including why the nearly $5 million in revenue for Indigenous tuition, uh, students' tuition provided by New York State is not earmarked specifically to benefit Shinnecock students? I mean, that seems like a fair question. Many among the 70 people crammed into the Southampton Intermediate Schools Music Room stepped up to speak about Southampton Public Schools and how it teaches students from the, uh, the nation. Among the last speakers was Shinnecock member Serena Lee, who works as a security guard for the district facing the board member. She told them that she, a graduate of Southampton High, was hurt by their refusal to acknowledge Shinnecock history. Quote, we are smart, intelligent people. 
Otherwise, we still wouldn't be here. We taught you something, she said, met with audience applause and cheering, adding, we taught you how to survive on our land. Give it back by educating us so we can maintain our sovereignty, end quote. Miss Lee called for education about Shinnecock culture in the district, a point reinforced by Randy King speaking in their native tongue earlier in the meeting. And finally, after appearing to slow down this spring, Long Island home prices picked up steam during the summer months, reaching new highs in the third quarter. According to new data released today, the median sales price on Long Island, excluding the East End, rose 3.2% uh, to $640,000 during the quarter, compared with the same period in 2022, according to data from real estate brokerage Douglas Element and uh, appraisal firm Miller Samuel. Jonathan LaMancha reporting on Newsday.com that Long Island set price records across every subcategory the report measures. The median price for Nassau uh, County, Suffolk County, single-family homes and condos all hit new highs in the third quarter. While sellers are receiving top dollar, there are far fewer of them in years past. The number of sales on Long Island, excluding the East End, fell 17.1% during the third quarter compared with a year ago. Meanwhile, on the South Fork, a.k.a. the Hamptons, the median price dropped 11.4% to $1.4 million about. So $1,417,000 in the third quarter down from a record $1.6 million in the third quarter of last year. The number of sales in the Hamptons fell 13.2% uh, from a year earlier. Jonathan Miller, CEO of Miller Samuel, said he views last year's record high median price as an outlier and noted the third quarter median price still represents a 65% increase from the third quarter of 2019. North Fork median price rose 2.1% to $999,950 in the third quarter, just about to break that million-dollar mark. The uh, North Fork has seen prices soar since the pandemic started. Back in the third quarter of 2019, the median sale on the North Fork went for $629,000. My goodness. Reading the weather in Bayshore in honor of our first guest, Robert Atone, turning to the heart ahead of his reading the Bayshore Barnes & Noble on October 27th uh, about his book. We're reading from his book of spooky short stories wrapped in plastic and other sweet nothings. It looks like a sunny Thursday in Bayshore with a high near 72 degrees. Ah, a beautiful day. Southwest wind 6 to 8 miles per hour tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 56 degrees. West wind around 6 miles per hour. Right now it's 54 degrees. Sounds like a great day to get any outside projects that you got to do done if you're able. Um, I made a plastic edition to start us off to go with Wrapped in Plastic. And then we've got uh, record songs to uh, go with Monk, uh, William Harris III's uh, Musings on the Golden Sparrow, I think it is the name of his book that we'll be talking about in the end, and there is a nice little uh, homage, a little uh, inclusion of some lyrics from Corin Bailey Ray's Put Your Records On. I actually have a cover by the Alley Cats that I'm going to play for you a little later in the morning. Getting it started with some Radiohead. Um, I don't know what I'm going to play after. I'm going to figure that out. Let's see how it feels. I'm Gianna Fulpe. This is Radiohead, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. You're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love. The green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber and the fake plastic girl The 
Okay, so it seems like my instinct of not being sure where to go next musically was actually uh, really on point because I usually do have some idea of what I like to play on the back of an interview, and our interviewee is early, so that changes everything. Um, We are approaching the bottom of the hour uh, on Thursday morning, so that means it's time for our Thoughtful Thursday segment. Um, Very excited to welcome back Robert Atone, winner of the coveted Bram Stoker Prize. Uh, Good morning, Robert. Hello, good morning. How are you? Thank you for having me back. I am so grateful to have you on again with us. And, And first of all, before we get into the book, see, I wrote this all down, although I already told you off the air that my horror (laughs) kick is going strong. We were talking. We've been talking on the on the gram. I watch at least <laughs> one scary movie a night. I thank you for your recommendation of of uh, Barbarian, as well as Ooh. that um, David Cross Bigfoot flick. Yes, which was so Wasn't adult- that great. Okay, so when I met him behind his head, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't because of him, was a sticker of Bigfoot. And I oh, was like, crazy. I know, I was like, oh my God, I'm appreciating this so much right now. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, don't say it to him because it'll be too, I, maybe I, I could have, it was fine, it would have been fine. He's so great in that movie. Oh, he's, he's fantastic he's in that. Just, I mean, I don't know David Cross not to be great. He just yeah, is. Yeah, that's true. I, I, you that's know, true. it's kind of like, I, I told you how I've uh, been on this Nick Cage kick and seeing mm-hmm. all the indies that he's been pumping out. I don't know him not to be great, even when he's like, even when he's crazy, you know, he's, yeah. he's really elevated a lot of films, uh, especially in the last uh, few years. Um, he has that great quote about the height of human emotion because there is no like limit to human emotion. So he doesn't believe that you could ever be too over the top. You can't be too Nick Cage is what he's saying. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I watched... Um, what did I watch with him again? I watched the uh, Vampire's Kiss on uh, on the big screen at the Cinema I Arts Center. I haven't seen that. Vampire's Kiss 
might oh, be my oh, favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Here we go. He I, is. I'm. I'm. I'm so like. Wonderful. I keep seeing Renfield popping up, which I guess is another Nick Cage. Um, yeah. Vampires Kiss. I heard that's great too. I, I know a lot of people who are like, Rob, you would like it. It's very funny. Yeah. See, and it's I've very been, silly. I've been sticking. I I keep coming across because I'm a comedy lover, but yet yeah. I'm so in the horror spirit for whatever reason. Yeah. That I'm like, I see horror, I see comedy horror, and I'm like, nope, I go right over it. Yeah. But there's a lot of I know. movies. I do the same. I, I gotta... do the same. And like, I don't know why. I really should just lean into it more. Yeah, just just go for it. I wanted to mention a, a couple recent favorites. Um, I'm yes. The Girl with All the Gifts. Um, oh, yes. That's really good. That's on Netflix, right? It's on Prime Video. So I'm, I'm now into oh, cool. Prime territory. Um, yes. I don't – Netflix might have Gerald's Game. Yes, which, it does. Yep. Uh, I I saw it, and I, so I'm watching it, and then I realized halfway through, oh, my gosh, I've I've actually watched this once before. I must uh. have, like I, – I didn't watch the whole thing, though. It's one that I, yeah. I got into in the middle. I think it's the first – the scene where you see the moonlight, man, the first yes. time. And yep. so uh, that was the scene, I think, that started it when I watched it the first time. Obviously, yeah, you, can't tur- you can't turn it off after that. But getting to no. see the whole thing, uh, you, really, you really get a, a, a larger appreciation for the film and how many plots are going on at once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mike Flanagan's a genius. Uh, the director is... Just, he's really something special. Like his his sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, is remarkable. I'm writing all these down. Uh, speaking of genius, I saw um, Us and Nope, Peels, two yes. of Peels' new ones. Uh, Block Island Sound is like a local version mm-hmm. of of uh, Nope. Okay, very um, cool. And then I wanted to ask if you've ever seen As Above, So Below. I have seen As Above, So Below. Okay. That one is so creepy. It's it's like all right, so like there's there's some parts where you're like, okay, I'm not really like I'm not not totally in it. Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. still able to not be so scared because I know it's not real. You know, I'm not, right. it, it hasn't sucked <laughs> me in. But the fact that it claims to be the only movie the French government has allowed to film inside the crypts beneath Paris, yeah. which yeah. I didn't even know. They were a thing until I watched that movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there, you know, the interesting thing with that movie is there's actually a real video um, that was found by the uh, Parisian police. They found a camera and a videotape down in the crypts. And when they watched the footage, it was somebody who was exploring the crypts on, on their own. And uh, oh, got lost. Bad idea. And then being supposedly being chased by something. Oh, see, now there. I'm getting now I'm getting scared. Yeah, it, and know, that's real. So I think do, as above, so below is sort of a play on that. Don't be, don't be doing that. Don't All right, be. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's, I'm just saying. No, no, no. I'm saying. Scared. I'm saying. Don't be. Don't be exploring incredibly <laughs> isolated locations. You know, you don't know, not multiple exit, don't know the territory places by yourself. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm a pretty adventurous person. Same. Um, I don't know that I would spend more than 45 minutes down in the catacombs oh, there. Um, no. That would be a lot. I'm a little claustrophobic. I don't, you know, that's a lot of death down there. It's a little much. I don't really know anybody who's been there. The bones um, are piled like a like a fence. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh my it's goodness! So you figured it would just be people, you know, and it's yeah. people, but they are completely disassembled. It is very yeah, oh, creepy. Yeah. It is very creepy, but that's a that's a fun fun. <laughs> that's that's a, fun. A pretty good movie. I like that. I like As Above So Below. That's fun. And then and then you know we 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 talked about the the good bad horror I watched last night, Wrong Turn, which brings us. Full yep. circle to a different topic, and that is the company <laughs> that really sculpted uh, my appreciation for the good bad genre, and that's Troma, which I have to bring yeah. up because you've worked with Troma and therefore presumably with Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you continue to work with Troma, or w- tell me the backstory there? 
Yeah, so uh, I got approached to work on a video game spiritual sequel to the trauma film Poultry Geist. And nice. It was it was too good an opportunity to say yeah, no to because I I've always enjoyed trauma. I've always thought it was very again you know Nicolas Cage talk over the top, very right. fun. Yes. But I couldn't say no. And actually, Poultry Geist happens to be my favorite trauma movie. Really? Um, it is absurd, but. I do like that one quite a bit. So we got to work on the sequel and the sequel goes, it's sort of like, um, almost like a choose your own adventure nice. kind of sequel where there's multiple endings and there's multiple avenues to get to those different endings. And, um, I got basically what I was hired to do was to make some of the scarier parts scary. Ooh. And, um, yeah. So I got to sneak in a lot of references to some of my favorite literary horror here and there. I got to write some genuinely unnerving, creepy scenes that otherwise would be in like a comedy game. Right. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. And there's like a lot of Easter eggs. Some of our, our testers and stuff um, have not yet found all of the Easter eggs that I put into the game. Um but it was really great. I got to work with a friend of mine, Mike Fallick, who he's the the lead on the game. And it was really just a team of comedians and then the one horror guy working on the game. So I was like, this is great. That this is, is a like, lot of fun. I'm that is really such in, a, in the game. Too. What a feather in your resume's cap, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And working for Troma was great. They're very hands off. Like they're, they're just like, here you go. Do what We're you hiring do. you because we know that, you, you know, th- that's a cool thing. Those are my favorite yeah, types I, of bosses uh, that, that trust oh, their yeah. employees and they just hire the right people. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, they are definitely an example of that. Um, but yeah, they've been great. They've been really great. We were trying to have the game out for Halloween. Um, it's looking like it's going to be after because we're, we're sort of gaining some steam on a couple different websites that are sort of play testing it for us and checking it out and stuff. So yeah, I'm you want to sure make sure out. it's all ready. Yeah. It's it's yeah. reminding me of rush. that. It's reminding me of that Netflix uh, Black Mirror. Uh, oh, it's yeah. like um, it's like an interactive. Yes, the Bandersnatch. Yeah, I never finished that. By the way, I you know what? Because I could never figure out what to do. I think I think I ended up the first time I got to an ending. It was an un. It was supposedly a rare ending, and I oh. was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I got everywhere either, but I'm also mm. really like like anal about stuff. So I I definitely explore, explored a lot of avenues. Yeah. Um it was all right. I don't know. I I don't know how I felt yeah. about it. It was creepy. It was, it had it was creepy moments. Yeah. It was and you know, I mean, Lewis Carroll man. Yeah. <laughs> I like my oh. wife is a big Black Mirror fan, so like oh, yeah. whenever the new season comes out, she just devours yeah, it. See, and I'm, I'm the same like, one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, what, I I found Black Mirror so late. Like, I mean, like oh, this really? this year or last year. So mm-hmm. that if there was a period of time where it's probably what started my horror kick was oh, wow. devouring cool. all of the Black Mirror, and at that point, you're so desensitized. That you're yeah. like, give me everything. <laughs> what All was the... your favorite episode, do you think? Um, oh gosh. You see, now it's been it's been a little too long since I've yeah. seen them. I have to answer that after like looking over the episode list. Yeah. Um the the first one that's coming to me, and it's not my favorite, but the first one that's coming to me is the post-apocalyptic one with the dogs that I love that one. Spit the I love um, that one. The steel. The robotic dogs. Yes. That's yeah, that the first really one. Good. That's the first one that's coming back to me. Doesn't mean it's yeah, my favorite, that's but really strong. But I really but that one is the one that came to me first. Um yeah. if you like that one, watch the girl with all the gifts. All right, so I can't wait. I gotta watch that. All right, so so uh your father has a history with radio, which is something yeah. I learned. So yes. tell me, tell me about, and he's also, uh, is he also Robert? Yeah, yeah, okay. he was also Robert. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we, we he's no longer with us. Yeah, he I'm passed sorry. in 2019. Oh, no, it's okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. And so, and where where was he? And forgive me because all uh, my radio brethren 
are probably so embarrassed <laughs> for me right now. It's like you don't no. know Robert Atone. <laughs> so uh, he was on the air with WGBB um, here on the island uh, for a long time. He was part of uh, what was called the Night Train, oh, and cool. uh, yeah, he would he would play. Uh, he would be on the air like right after the Mets games and stuff like that. And then uh, you know he had a long career in radio. He started with like WABC in the city, and then he came out here. And then uh, he went into teaching when he started to, like, settle down and have a family because radio, as you know, is, can be a, a very uh, mobile industry. Yes. So he wasn't, he wasn't fully committed to the idea of, like, uprooting his family and moving to a new right. market if he was going to stay with it. So he became a teacher and actually ran the radio station in Brentwood High School. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Teaching yeah. the next so generation. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> all right, all right. So, and yeah. finally, before we dive into the book, we have to mm-hmm. touch on Rex Hurman because why, Robert? Why do, we, <laughs> why do we have to talk about the Gil- the, well, the alleged Gilgo Beach serial killer? Yes, uh, Rex the Ogre, as I like to call him, um, he is the suspected Long Island serial killer. Um, did you know? All, did just... you know that he was a suspect before he was arrested? Because you were, yes. like, really into uh, this investigation, right? I had heard his name a couple of years before anything wow. happened. But also, at the same time, like, I heard a lot of names, mm. you know? So, like, yeah, so did I. his was one that had, like, some smoke. Mm. But at the same time, I couldn't, you know, there was nothing that I could be like, okay, well, it's 100% this person. Because there were a lot of people that it pointed to that it was, it could have easily have been them as well. But... Um, yeah, thankfully he's behind bars. I was at the house when the police were tearing it apart. Um, that was pretty surreal. It was surreal hearing them smash apart his back deck with sledgehammers and stuff. Um, it was really interesting. How many people were there? Oh God. Um, from, you know, onlookers like me, there was probably about a hundred, but in terms of like actual police personnel with the FBI and the state troopers, probably 200 altogether 300 maybe there was so many in and out it was hard to keep track you could tell the fbi right away they were all in suits um so that was pretty cool it was really nice to see the fbi like 100 percent there and focused and like really doing their due diligence and everything because you know it's it's just nice to see like all of these depart all these different organizations working together and considering Um, the, the history with this particular case yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the big win, and, and he would never say this, but I think the big win goes to Rodney Harrison, Suffolk County Police Department, um, for coordinating this task force of all these different groups. Um, he has gone on the record as saying this was a team effort, and he kind of defers any of the credit, which I think is a yeah. testament to the kind of person he is. Right. Um, he truly is uh, the gift that Long Island law enforcement was waiting for, oh. and I hope he stays forever. Oh. That's beautiful. <laughs> We're lucky to have them. We are. I know it. All right, so let's get rid. Of, let's get into wrapped in plastic, which starts off perfectly enough for the season, with an adaptation for, of the legend of Sleepy Hollow, that reads yeah. like a screenplay for a movie I definitely want to see. You've oh, got cool. you've got a character sh- like straight out of the witch, right? And and pumpkin <laughs> blood and a cool cast of characters. That ties into indigenous culture. Uh, talk about how a morning in Sleeping Hollow came to the pages uh, and through you. Yeah, um, I actually I thought about that story back in high school, and I've been wanting to write like a a, a, a sequel to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow for a really really long time because I've always been obsessed with it. I'm a member of the Irving Society. I my family's my dad's side of the family is originally from that area. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time there growing up. I We would go there all the time. Um, and I wrote the sequel, and it was honestly, it was very hard to find information about the indigenous tribes that were in the area around, you know, before the events of that story take place. So I reached out to the Mohegan tribe in Connecticut, and they sent me some PDFs. Um, and they honestly were very helpful and super supportive of like, here's some information we have about That's the beautiful. tribes that were there. Um, yeah, it was really amazing. And 
so I was very blessed to have that. But I, I also wanted to, I didn't want to tell a story that would like rewrote the legend of sleepy hollow or like changed anything. I literally just wanted to do the morning after Ichabod crane disappears or the day after Ichabod crane disappears and how that affects the town. How did the police respond to that? So I thought tying the spirit of the headless horseman to the idea of indigenous culture in some capacity worked because there is a spirit of fire. Um, and I thought that worked perfectly. <laughs> it, it did. And it was super cool. Uh, Inside Out. Is that microfiction? It's a short short. Can we briefly yeah, that's talk a short, about short. this I wrote that. Yeah, I wrote that during my uh, Southampton, Stony Brook, Southampton uh, MFA. We oh, had to nice. do a performance on like graduation night. So you performed this? Microfiction. Yeah, yeah, I did it live. We all had to do something. So I, I made it spooky. I brought the spooky. Oh, that's spooky. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I thought how creepy it would be. Like, I wanted to put myself in the, the headspace of someone who woke up with their insides on the outside. Do you and, remember uh, Inside Out Boy? Is that what I, it was called? <laughs> I, is that I is that Nickelodeon claymation? Am I remembering it wrong? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just thought of that. That's great. Like, holy crap, I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> That's That's awesome. It's the story. It's it's basically for all of you who have dreamed of spinning over the the bar when you're on a swing, right? <laughs> Everyone has yeah. the dream. One day you'll get there. <laughs> and this is the boy yeah. who actually does. All right, so speaking of Inside Out Boy, the boy in your book. Yeah. Broke my yeah. heart just as much, if not more, than the movie AI, which is still wow. one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Yeah, same. I could never watch it again. No. I could never watch that movie again. I, I would w- weep. It's this, I saw it, like, what was that, like, early two, th- 2001? I can't remember, but it feels like. Yeah, it like... was right after Kubrick died, because oh Kubrick was supposed to make it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, heartbreaking. That that story makes my wife cry. Uh, yeah. The boy makes my wife cry it's... as well. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to – so I was thinking about, like, our relationship with technology. Talking, I guess, like, sort of Black mirror right? Like, right. I was thinking about our relationship with technology in the sense of, like, you know, we have these things. We have, like, our phones, our computers and stuff that, you know, we put a lot of love and effort into. We get cool cases for our phones and stuff. We have excellent conversations and stuff on our phones. And then – when the new one comes out, we just get rid of the old one. Like, it meant nothing, yeah. you know? Mitchell's, Mitchell's about, like, versus the machines. Yeah. See, I'm, just doing, yeah. I'm just doing movies now. Uh, no, Meg- I love it. Megan. <laughs> yeah. I need to see Megan, by the you way. You have to see Megan. I liked that one a lot. I heard it's awesome. It is awesome. And it's, I can't wait. It's, she's the girl, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I was thinking about, like, a future society, too. Like, what would be the hardest job for me? And it would be being an engineer working on repairing these supposedly damaged robotic yeah. children. Because oh. it would just be too hard. Um, so that was that was where that one came from. Yeah, it, it would take a special person. <sighs> All right. Yeah. So Tiny Town, I thought the Lydia Dietz diss was gold. But then they're talking about... <laughs> Uh, 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 Real Big Fish and Turn the Radio Off, which was the first CD I ever purchased myself. Oh, my God. And then she That's said, awesome. she said, I thought I was the only one who knew Real Big Fish. Thank God uh, uh, your parents are as old school as mine. Daggers, Robert. <laughs> it was, it was that, you you did it. You gave me my first um, getting old <laughs> shot to the heart. Yeah, I know. It's How do you okay. think I felt writing it? It's right, <laughs> right, because you're writing right. Because I was like, wow. So I'm like trying to place it, and I'm like, oh, this is current. This is very current. Yeah. On a side yeah. note, my ignorance about Tiny Town's existence led me to a subreddit about obscure places on the island oh, cool. where someone said yeah. someone said Flanders, and someone else responded, "Shut up, stupid Flanders," which made me laugh. <laughs> Stupid, sexy Flanders. What do, you, <laughs> what do you think is the spookiest story in um, Wrapped in Plastic and Other Sweet Nothings? Yeah, I think um, probably the, the title story, Wrapped in Plastic, is probably the darkest, probably the scariest. That's right at the end. But 
I do find there to be some genuine creepiness in a story called For the Gods that's in there. Um, but there's also, that's kind of one of the stories that, like, yes, there's a lot of darkness, but there's so much light at the end. And there, it kind of ends on a note that, like, gets me choked up, even though I'm the person who wrote it. That's nice. Um, that's nice of you, yeah, by the way. I, that's good for the people what, reading. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would like to let a little bit of the light in um, when we're in the dark. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say probably the title story is the scariest. Um, I do have a very silly story in there about a guy writing a letter to a ghost that lives in his basement, um, which is literally called an open letter to the ghost in my basement. Uh, That's adorable. (laughs) That brings me, that brings me right back to David Cross and meeting looking for Bigfoot. And he's a, 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 wait, what's a leper? Oh, what do they call a butterfly researcher? Lepidopterist? Something like that. I think that's what it is, but the 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 movie is the Dark Divide. Yes, which is based on a book, um, and it's it's remarkable. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's honestly, based on a and a, 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 a someone's account, a, a real lepid yeah. lepidopterist. My theory is that you know he's this is his passion. He loves butterflies and moths, and he wants more people to love butterflies and moths, and that mm-hmm. is and this is the hook. For him to get people into endangered butterfly, I kind of feel like it's a. I mean, also, no, you get kind of caught up because there there are large swaths of land and ocean, and that you know, we, we I think that there was like one percent of the ocean discovered when I was in uh, first grade, and now there's three. Right, right. You know, so there's there's so much of this world that we don't know. And, you know, there's so much of of even where we live that we don't know about. So it's, you know, who knows? It's true. You know. We discover new species all Every the time. Yep. Bugs, animals. Yep. Like we've only, when you really think about it, we only discovered the gorilla 80 years ago. What? Yeah, yeah. The gorilla was only discovered 80 years ago. Isn't that isn't that insane? That is insane. Yeah, so that's why a lot like a lot of people who are into like Bigfoot research kind of look at that and be like, "Well, guys, we've only known that these things were legit and like what they were for eighty years." Like, you know what this, I think is it could it, very well be. You know what's really I think on point is also if there aren't, uh, yeah, it's probably us, our fault. Uh, I know that yeah. there's indigenous indigenous cultures that are written about that were mm-hmm. uh, very, very, very tall, very, very, yes. very, very tall. And then, yeah, um, giants. um, what, and then of course, uh, there's that, what I think is pretty good is red dead. The first red dead. Yes. That side quest. <laughs> yep. Where you're literally hunting, you're hunting them down, but you're thinking, you know, if I were in the wild west and this was blah, 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 blah. That's probably what was going on. Cause oh, yeah. I mean, we hunted the, the buffalo. People... Why We would hunt, you know, a giant um, sort of man-like species. It would make sense for sure. And they write it into Arthur's character where he talks about yeah. he's like He's like, you know, talks about laying waste to a, a countless animals, which, of course, yeah. if you're at whatever point in the story, no matter who you are, you have done the same. Yeah. As him in gameplay. It's true. So it's, it's an interesting. That's that's the cool thing about rock stars. They could take something like that and make it. Oh yeah, you're hunting Bigfoot, but really this is a commentary on, you know, westward expansion and the destruction of the natural environment. The way that they do it is crazy. Red Dead yeah. Two. When you come upon the stranger in the swamp. Yes. Oh my god. I guess I shouldn't give it away. But there is, I think there's creepier stuff in Red Dead 2 than Red Dead 1, but Red Dead 1 hits harder. Yes, yes, yes. If that makes sense. Oh, because, well, because it was, nothing was like it at the time. We had GTA, but, oh man, that that fed my soul. I almost didn't graduate college because of Red Dead 1. Oh, wow. (laughs) The only thing that that made it possible was uh, my therapist at the time said, 
Mm-hmm. Why don't I allow myself to procrastinate? And that's yeah. how I graduated college. And see, my therapist <laughs> tells me this. that I need I need to relax more and play more video games and to really to to sort of relax and refocus my brain and stuff. He he's always yeah. telling me he's like, you have an Xbox, you have a Retron, play what some video do? games for a couple hours. And I'm like, but those hours could be spent, you know, See? putting together a, a pitch document, right. or I could be doing this and. He's like, yeah, but you're burning yourself out. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, exactly. <laughs> See, I was I was playing, but yeah. I was not turning off that part of my brain. So right. I would play for crazy amounts of hours, mm-hmm. all the while just killing, like badgering myself about <laughs> how I was, you know, not doing the thing I was supposed to do. And I was ending up, I was playing when I didn't even want to play anymore. Just because the anxiety to start the thing had gotten so large that I was just glued there. So he was like, well, why don't you just let yourself procrastinate? So I remember like the next day I'm like playing and I had to do a story for the paper. I had to Mm -hmm. make some calls. And I was like... I am procrastinating, and I am allowing myself to play Red Dead. Can I tell you, I got bored in 20 minutes, turned the game off, and started making calls for my story? It was the craziest (laughs) thing. It's all mindset. It really is all mindset, because it's like, if you're going into something knowing, like, oh, this is going to be a drag, this is going to be a drag, it's going to be a drag. But if you go into something thinking like, okay, you know, I'm open to this experience or whatever, and then it turns out different, then, you know, it always does, almost always does. But it's it's just so interesting that, you know, therapy is like, listen, and really all it is is self-care. That's really what it is. Amen. You know? That is all it is. Spot on. Yeah. You know, our therapists know what they're doing. That's right. All right. You know what? (laughs) I could talk to you forever. Robert Atone, you can listen to him talk. Uh, is it tomorrow or Saturday? Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. I'm tomorrow? so excited. Bayshore, yeah. Barnes and Noble, um, is wrapped in plastic, printed printed up. Is it published? Oh yeah, tomorrow's oh, nice. the big launch event <gasps> for the book. Fantastic! Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. I'm very happy uh, to be joined by a bunch of other horror authors as well. Oh cool! Uh, some people who are like my heroes oh, are going to nice. be there. So. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. I'm very honored that they're coming out. But it's going to be a whole evening of spooky stuff at the uh, Barnes & Noble in Bayshore um, from 5 o'clock until 9. Very cool. Sending from yeah. the bottom of the heart of the East End. We are wishing you a very spooky, wonderful book launch tomorrow night at the Barnes & Noble in Bayshore. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Robert Atone. His most recent book about to launch tomorrow is wrapped in plastic and other sweet nothings um, flying through the playlist. Landing at PM Dawn, we've got Gil Scott, Heron on deck, plastic and then plastic pattern. People, I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Robert Atone. This is PM Dawn. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM on 88.3 FM throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut. 96.9 in Central and Western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. Another song is written on your face. Instead, I put pressure on the whole damn place. I never like running through the crowd with no proof. So now I gotta flex in the steps of the truth. Forever hearing Prince had to stick to his kind. Prince make a love song about a tech nine. I thought Prince B had to be Prince B. Yeah, they wanna riff when they find a disagree. With that dog eat dog, I'ma get mine. Even if I'm stepping on you, frame of mind. You can bring things where I'm bringing things at. But Prince B thinks it's where that. So now I'm accused of spiking a punch. And now I'm beat a scapegoat for fake. Set up another prime time beef was hard at first. 
else in the heat. They call that plastic. Plastic, y'all. Plastic. Plastic, y'all. Plastic. Plastic, y'all. serve me now a cup of dry rainbows and a dark cloud you want to picture me as you with no way see i'm into innovations okay, okay. don't you know they itchy itchy me when they itchy itchy you Whoa. passing off the mic through the kissy kissy crew what else can display through a mind is foul in a politics show you how come on now i refuse to be used as an undercover clone or even bad to the bone yeah. nocturnal caption uh-oh persona the calculates trace to do what you want to what tiktok me for the crazy bliss That can break a nut, they melt every time you heat them up Why? because they're plastic, plastic, y'all. Plastic, plastic, y'all. Plastic, plastic, y'all. Plastic, shake it up over here. Plastic, 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 I should have inverted these tracks. Too late now. Going into the NPR news break after PM dawn with the one and only Gil Scott Heron on WLIWFM. Yes. Glad to get high and see the slow motion world just to reach and touch the half notes floating. No, this was right. World spinning orbit quicker than 9-8's Dave Brubeck. We come now frantically searching for Thomas More Rainbow Villages. Up on suddenly, Charlie Mingus and Ahmed Abdul Malik to add base to a bottomless pit of insecurity. You may be plastic because you never meditate about the bottom of glasses, the third side of your universe. Add on Alice Coltrane and her cosmic strains. Still no vocal on blue-black horizons. Your plasticity is tested by a formless assault. The sun can answer questions in tune to all your sacrifices. But why will our new jazz age give us no more mind-expanding puzzles? Enter John. Blow from under always and never so that the morning, the sun, may scream of brain-bending saxophones. The third world arrives with Youssef Latif and Pharaoh Saunders with oboes straining to touch the core of your unknown soul. Ravi Shankar comes with strings attached, prepared to stabilize your seventh sense, your black rhythm. Up and down a silly ladder run the notes without the words. Words are important for the mind, but the notes are for the soul. Miles Davis, so what? Cannonball, Fiddler, Mercy, Dexter Gordon, one flight up, Donald Byrd playing Cristo, but what about words? Would you like to survive on sadness? Call on Ella and Jose Happiness, Drift with Smokey, Bill Medley, Bobby Taylor, and Otis Redding, soul music where frustrations are washed by drums, Nina and Miriam. Congo, Mongo, 
beat me, senseless, bongo, tanto, flash through dream worlds of STP and LSD, speed kills and sometimes music's call is frustrated and the black man is confused. Our speed is our life pace, much too fast, not good. I beg you to escape and live and hear all of the real.